Welcome to Get Naked with Dr. Kate. I'm your host, Dr. Kate Balistrieri, a Beverly Hills-based psychologist, certified sex therapist, and the founder of Modern Intimacy. Thanks for joining me here where I talk about sex, relationships, mental health, and dive into your questions with practical answers and real solutions. Each week, I share insights aimed at helping you build an authentic and healthy relationship with yourself, with others, and with your sexuality. It's time to get naked emotionally, mentally, and on your own time, physically. Hi everyone, welcome back. This week we're going to talk about pain during penetration. This is something that most sex therapists see pretty regularly in our offices. And I've got with me here Brooke Brownlee, who is an associate professional clinical counselor at Modern Intimacy. And Brooke really specializes in working with folks who are having pain during sex. So Brooke, thank you so much for being here with me today. Yes, thank you for the introduction and having me join you on the podcast. Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for you to be here. When you first started working at Modern Intimacy, did you think that working with painful sex was going to be an area of expertise and specialization? Absolutely not. I did not have that expectation coming in. And for like my first several clients were cis women who were experiencing painful sex. And so from there, I really just did my own deep dive. I wanted to understand. I wanted to know the literature and what kind of research was out there. And I was heartbroken to see the gaps in mental health and women's sexual health. And so I kind of made it my goal to work with this population and hopefully at some point add more knowledge and more research in that area. What were you experiencing when clients were coming in and asking for some sort of remedy with with this problem that they're having? Yeah, it's, you know, painful sex is one of the more common reasons people come to sex therapy. And I think that when an individual comes to therapy with this with this problem, they've done a lot of self-evaluation. They've maybe sat through some grief around this pain, and they're really looking to understand where it comes from and what they can do to help themselves. And if they're with a partner to, you know, help join with their partner as well, and they can kind of understand uh, what's lying underneath. I think one of the things that really stood out to me when I started working in this area of focus is that a lot of people who are coming to sex therapy to get treatment for painful sex really believe it to be a body-based concern. And it can be a body-based or a biological concern. And often there are psychological components that either amplify something that's biological or are actually the impetus for the pain that's Mm -hmm. experienced in the body. And I wonder if you can share a little bit about some of the biological factors that might play a role in someone experiencing pain during penetration. Yeah, so the word, the medical word for painful sex is desperinia. And that kind of encompasses a whole wide range. And there could be, you know, biological components that include cysts, irritable bowel syndrome, endometriosis that can cause irritation and pain during sex. And the psychological components where we come in as sex therapists is 
looking at the DSM-5, there's genitopelvic pain disorders and penetration disorders that falls under vaginismus and vulvodynia, and that's something we see as therapists quite often. Coming from a medical perspective, what are some of the common symptoms or diagnoses that you hear about and have read in the research that lead to more painful sex? One being, you know, uh, vulvodynia, and that is a medical word that's also a word we use as therapists in psychology, and vulvodynia is pain around the vulva, and there's no explanation why there is pain. They can't find a medical reason as to why there would be pain, but people with vulvodynia describe it as burning, it can be itching, it could be chronic, the pain can be chronic, or when it's being stimulated. Uh, Vaginismus is a medical term as well as a psychological term of when there's any sort of penetration, whether that's penetration sex, whether that's using tampons, some sort of insertion, um, the pelvic floor muscles will tighten, making penetration either A, very painful or impossible. Um, And that is used to describe a term, the phenomenon vaginismus. Can we talk a little bit about how you learned how to remember the word vaginismus? <laughs> yes, I, I love this story. I for the longest I was really stumbling over the word vaginismus, and we were in our um, supervision together, and you said vaginismus rhymes with Christmas, and I <laughs> stuck the landing, and that has stuck with me ever since. Vaginismus rhymes with Christmas, and now vaginismus is like a favorite word of mine. I love to say. <laughs> And that is one of the more endearing experiences of that word. <laughs> you nailed it. It was it was all I needed to like be able to say that, and then I'm stuck ever since. It's a tricky word to say, but but the trickiness of saying it does not compare to how difficult it is to experience it for people who are Absolutely. experiencing this kind of pain. Um, mm-hmm. So some of the things that can contribute to discomfort or pain during sex include things like vaginal dryness from menopause, recent childbirth, breastfeeding, being dehydrated, taking certain kinds of medications, or not having enough arousal. Brooke, what are some of the other medical conditions that can amplify or lead to painful penetration or pain during sex? Yeah, lots of different medications, including birth control, can make the vaginal area to be more dry, childbirth, breastfeeding, chemotherapy, cysts, endometriosis, if you have a UTI, a skin infection as well, Um, irritable bowel syndrome, if you're having pain in that pelvic area, um, and radiation can all contribute to sex being painful. Yeah, I would add to that list any kind of pelvic floor concerns that might be resulting in pelvic floor dysfunction, um, which is often overlooked because we don't get a lot of training about our pelvic floor and the roles that they play in the rest of our anatomy and supporting the body, but especially during sex. Absolutely. Pelvic floor dysfunction is a massive contributor to painful sex and to other sub-diagnoses that are a part of painful sex. It really is a lot about the pelvic floor muscles and how they contract and how they move and really contributing to sex that would be very painful. Well, let's talk a little bit about 
how folks can can begin to identify this experience, what might be some of the early signs that there's something that they should get checked out? If it's symptoms that are happening longer than about three months, usually that's when you might want to go to a medical professional. Some uh, symptoms are including burning, uh, pain in the pelvis, some sort of irritation, kind of like a, it's described as a very strong discomfort that's kind of can always be there in your vulva area or just during penetration sex. Um, both of those are very much contributing factors. And if you see that happening over, you know, a three month period, that's when you should go see a medical professional. But over 20% of women will experience sex to be more painful at some period in their life. You know, I forgot to, to bring up the reality that for some folks who have had um, vaginoplasty or labioplasty, they can also experience pain during sex um, or other forms of medical trauma that might happen. Uh, maybe they had a negative experience during a pelvic exam or during a visit to the OBGYN, and that can create a lot of fear around or or biologically experienced pain around the kind of penetration that they might be seeking later. Women who have gone through gender-affirming surgery often will experience painful sex. They have to use dilators to keep the vulva open, um, and it's not uncommon to experience pelvic dysfunction after gender-affirming surgery, and so that can lead to painful sex which can be confusing and feel a little maybe disheartening to have to experience that. And also, like you were stating, if you've had some kind of medical trauma around your vulva, whether that's inserting of a catheter, you know, at a young age or having to have creams rubbed on, you know, your vulva area when you were young and maybe consent and wasn't talked about or going through childbirth or having a miscarriage that can all be very traumatic and the body really remembers that feeling of trauma. So the idea of penetration is overwhelming and it's, and it's fearful and your body will react to that. Well, this is sort of the core of what we as sex therapists help clients mitigate are these psychological aspects of pain. So let's dive more into what you're beginning to talk about, which mm -hmm. is some of the psychological reasons that people might experience this kind of discomfort. What are you seeing in, in session and in the research? Yeah, I see clients that are coming in, you know, they have experienced vulvodynia, they're having problems with, you know, vaginismus, or you can have both. They're not, you know, one or the other, you can experience both. And what I'm seeing is women coming in and they feel confused, they feel isolated because it's just not something we talk about. We talk about how sexes can be so pleasurable and enjoyable, but not so much about the pain and trauma that having painful sex can cause. Um, people come in for multiple reasons. One of the main reasons someone might experience this is because they have sexual abuse in their past. Um, if sexual abuse, you're talking about medical trauma. There's also kind of this fear of engulfment of a partner and feelings of disgust, shame, and contamination around sex, which can make sex 
very painful and it's a very much psychological based um, and people don't always connect the two. We like to see, you know, mental health in one category, sex in another category, and not how they intermingle and affect one another. Brooke, you mentioned that disgust, shame, and contamination play a big role in some of the psychological factors contributing to pain during sex. I think that's a really important and underexplored and underestimated part of the conversation. So let's break that down a little bit. What are some of the things that you're seeing in session as you work with folks around this topic as it relates to disgust or shame or contamination fears? Yeah, I think the first reaction is fear. Fear that they're dis- if they have a partner, they're disgusted by their partner. Fear of what that means for their relationship, what that's going to look like. So it's a very difficult conversation to have and to kind of sit in and really explore that. Disgust has a big role in sex that we don't talk about. Uh, you know, from a biological standpoint, it keeps us healthy, like that fear of contracting disease from penetration. But there is much more related to disgust. And there's some research around women, especially with vaginismus. Um, they did a study on 15 women who had vaginismus, 15 women who had vulvodynia, and 15 women who had no pain. And they all were to watch erotic films. And the women with vaginismus reported feelings of disgust and anxiety higher than the other subgroups of women when viewing erotic films. So there's a lot of that connection to biology kind of lack of sexual education. You might have questions and on, you know, things that have gone unanswered. Uh, but disgust is a big part of, you know, what can contribute to painful sex. And I know you've, you've spoken a little bit about that and kind of the roles that disgust plays. What have you found in your research? Well, I appreciate you bringing in that study. I think it's a really important jumping off point for this conversation because disgust is a really, really fascinating emotion. And it's one that doesn't get as much airtime as I think it warrants because even talking about disgust can evoke a fear of contamination, Mm. right? By the topic. This is why it is often so taboo to talk about taboo topics. Disgust works in such a strong way that it leaves kind of a residual fear that if I even mention this topic, this thing that's a taboo or that's quote unquote gross or off limits, then it will somehow contaminate me and my sense of self. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, disgust is something that's often really unconsciously felt or attributed to a primarily biological function in our lives. And While it's true that disgust does serve to protect us from biological contaminants like eating food that that has gone bad or um, a lot of folks will experience disgust when they see blood or an injury on another human because those kinds of biological cues trigger us into some some level of self-protection. And that's the primary function of disgust is a self uh, uh, self-protection. Mm-hmm. Or as one book is so aptly titled, 
disgust is a gatekeeping emotion. And so when we look at the role that disgust plays in pain during penetration, we are really well suited to think about a couple of things. One, how the body is sort of the vehicle for how we see ourselves. And a lot of us have grown up with sort of a Cartesian duality of mind and body. And we separate our consciousness of mind from our consciousness of body and experience what happens to ourself or we experience ourself in quotes as our physical person. But we often overlook sort of the bigger conceptual idea of our holistic self. And what a lot of folks experience during pain, painful sex is that there's something that's being expressed in the body that is actually a protection of their bigger experience of their psychological self as well as their physical self. So for example, when we look at something like trauma, for example, a sexual violation, mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense in the model of the mind that a disgust response would ward off any desire for something like that to happen again. Right. Not that anyone desires for that to happen, but our mind isn't always logical and rational. And so a disgust response that's communicated through pain in the body is the ultimate form of protection against whatever we think might contaminate either our physical person or the way that we experience ourselves and our identity. And that's really important because when we look at the role that sex plays in our world, as a form of celebration, pleasure, connection, but also a landscape upon which a lot of power is jockeyed for. Mm. I think that it makes sense contextually that folks who have experienced any kinds of violations might be more self-protective and therefore their bodies might be more direct in expressing disgust for what feels intolerable. Absolutely. I think that you really nailed that with that feeling of your whole self and how sex impacts your view of your whole self and you know how even religion will contribute into that as well of you you know depending on what religion you grew up in speaking of sex to be negative until you get married you know this is something you give to your husband this is supposed to be something you're giving your body your spirit, your mind, and then, okay, now, so maybe someone's married, and it's like, oh, okay, you're supposed to, your brain's supposed to be like, yes, I'm ready for sex, yes, I can have sex, and your body's not there yet, it's not, it's not there, um, it's, you know, not connecting the mind and the body and not responding in a way or a pace that you would like, because it is a reflection of your, your whole self, and a lot of, sex negativity is also wrapped around pain. And a lot of that can be very unconscious. Absolutely. I'm really glad you brought that up because folks who are recovering from purity culture or high control religion in their early development and, and growing up are some of the most common folks, at least that I've experienced working with who are struggling with pain during sex because their whole lives, their body has been bracing against any kind of sexual experience as a protection, right? And if we, if we even look at this language of purity culture, we can see the role that disgust might play 
in keeping this concept of self pure, in air quotes, from any contaminants. And if sex is seen as something that's dirty, then of course there would be uh, an absolute protection in the body to keep this away. Because any sort of introduction of, of sex can feel like it will contaminate the whole person. But when people start to question that, or if they do stay in alignment with their religion and they get married and they want to be sexual with a partner, their body can't just like flip a switch and suddenly be okay with sexual behavior because it's been guarding against this behavior for so long that the body's almost on lockdown for some folks. Mm -hmm. And it makes it really challenging for people to move into a sexual space that they feel really open and okay with. Absolutely. Your body gets stuck in that freeze response and becomes very hypervigilant. Mm-hmm. Very hypervigilant to what that change might bring, how that might change your view of self, your view of sex, and, and really challenging that and looking at what are your beliefs of sex, even if you decide to stay within um, that religion of what are your views of sex now, especially if you're told that it's wrong and it's dirty and it's not something to be enjoyed out of marriage or a specific context. I think inherent in what you're saying is a question of othering, right? And, mm-hmm. and larger group behavior and ideology, because what can happen for a lot of folks is sex represents something about who they are. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people who struggle with shame around sexuality, there's often a fear of, is what I like okay? Or am I going to be perceived as someone who fill in the blank? And right there, we see that internal experience of self-othering, right? I can't like this, or I can't want this, because if I do that I'm no longer a part of this group that's really important to me and that maintains these values or these beliefs. I'm in fact part of this other group. So I think we really underestimate the role that sex plays in how we shape our identity in our understanding of pain during sex because sometimes the body is expressing pain as a way of keeping us safe socially even if these fears are perceived and are not based in reality. But often they are based in reality when folks grow up in very high control or sex negative spaces. Um, There is a lot of judgment and shaming, not only about what happens if their sexual desires might be learned by the people in their community, but also Mm -hmm. spiritually and what might happen in the afterlife for them. So I think a lot about how fiercely some folks' bodies try to protect them from engaging in behavior that they might want, but also might be afraid of because of those real or perceived consequences. When you're talking about fear of of being another or feeling like you're marginalized and what that means if to change or people's perception of you is also that feeling of loss of control. Mm -hmm. If I allow someone to, you know, penetrate me in this way, have sex in this way, 
will I lose my power? Do I lose control in this situation? Do I lose control of my body? That fear installed of loss of control, triggering all those feelings of being safe, being safe in your body, can be really activated during sex. Mm-hmm. So true. It's so true. And when partners have been together for a while, I think there's another element that adds to what you're saying about the role of boundaries between partners and how fluently partners can discuss changes in their desires, changes in their interest, changes in their libido, that I think adds to this experience of pain during sex for some folks. For example, in partnerships where it's more challenging for people to speak without judgment or really feel heard and seen and really feel like their boundaries around sex are respected, pain might be the body's way of saying, I don't like this, but I also don't know how to affect change in this. So I'm not able to exercise the autonomy that I want to exercise. And I think it's a curious It's a curious point of exploration for folks who are experiencing pain, especially a a sudden onset of pain Mm -hmm. after discord within their relationship, because sometimes we feel disgust and therefore a drop in desire when we're too close and really want space, but we don't know how to ask for it. And so if we're not able to ask for that space and then we engage in sex there can be that manifestation of pain as the body's way of saying, I didn't want this. Mm, That is a very good point. And a lot of individuals I treat that are experiencing some sort of penetration disorder or painful sex, it can be a sudden onset. And it can happen when couples move in together after Mm -hmm. marriage. That shift and change and dynamic and power and balance and that, like you were saying, that's the body's way of saying, ooh, I'm not ready for this. Or something about this isn't resonating with me. It doesn't feel right. And the, to articulate those words or to acknowledge that maybe this was a positive change and you were excited to move in or excited to get married. And now you're experiencing, you know, some kind of penetration disorder, some kind of painful sex. And acknowledging and kind of sitting with that grief and kind of putting words to how it feels maybe to lose control or there might be a shift in power, a shift in desire and being able to be aroused. Maybe you're around your partner quite often and that feelings of disgust or shame that come with, you know, different life stages and changes. What do you recommend for folks who are struggling to communicate pain during sex with their partner? How should they bring it up? Yeah, I think that that can be a very tricky conversation to have. I think talking to a professional to help you kind of understand the psychology of pain, where that's coming from you, um, where that resonates, and having a very open, honest conversation with your partner. And that can be done, you know, through couples therapy or on their own, but making sure that that person who's experiencing pain feels seen and being able to articulate that it's not necessarily their partner, but more of the feelings they have within themselves. 
Brooke, you frequently mentioned something called the fear avoidance model. Can you say a little bit about what that is and how folks might understand if it's happening for them? Yeah, so the fear avoidance model was, you know, constructed to kind of treat and look at vaginismus. So it's that fear of penetration which leads to being hypervigilant, right? You're like really anxious about penetration, really anxious about having sex. And that anxiety leads to bracing of oneself, contracting the pelvic muscles. You know, maybe you're more dry, just lack of arousal because of the fear of pain, which then leads to having painful sex and then leads to having catastrophic thoughts. And it's unfortunately a almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It just goes in a loop, in a loop. And the more you experience sex to be painful, the more fear it brings up, the more like neuroactive receptors in the brain are being fired off when you're experiencing that pain, even making the pain more intolerable because a lot of you know pain is can be psychological. And so when, when treating painful sex or penetration disorders of like breaking that cycle, looking at the thoughts that are contributing to, you know, the fear of pain. Where is that fear coming from? And just getting back into the body of learning how to do some deep breathing, body scans, checking in with yourself, checking in with your partner um, to help reduce some of that anxiety and fear around painful sex. So let's talk a little bit about some of those somatic interventions because Mm -hmm. that really is a hallmark of working through pain during penetration. So what are some somatic things that you typically recommend when people are first learning how to be more embodied and how to feel empowered in that embodiment? I love to have people just kind of sit within themselves, you know, feet on the floor, kind of hands on either thigh, taking some deep breaths and just noticing the sensations in their body, not judging them, not putting too much weight on them, just noticing what they're feeling in their body and naming some of those feelings and kind of bringing light, just noticing how your body's reacting, how you're reacting in the moment. Maybe someone who's doing this for the first time, it feels silly or, you know, goofy and acknowledging that. And where is that resonating? Is it resonating in your chest, in your stomach? Just noticing your body's feelings and sensations. Also just doing like a quick body scan of like, tensing muscles and then relaxing like how does that feel to tense and then relax and sort of getting that feeling that you're like living in your head the anxiety is living in your head and going down more like a bottom-up approach to treatment so when you talk about that I, I immediately think of mindfulness exercises that are genitally focused and really thinking about bringing together more communication between mind and body when the genitals start to feel discomfort or when you start to feel pain um, or tensing in the pelvic floor muscles and and really helping to bring more awareness to that cycle so that there can be um, a greater pause if there's pain and more relaxation intentionally. Absolutely. You know, different people have different areas of tension in their body that will trigger like people. Some people have really sensitive stomachs or if they're getting near their vulva that that feeling of anxiety rises like you were saying and kind of when you're doing a body scan of like what areas of touch are also activating that pelvic floor muscle to tighten and just Mm -hmm. noticing those sensations that are going throughout your body 
And what do you say to people who have already tried that and mm-hmm. they're aware of those patterns in their body? They, they know sort of the cause and effect or the one, two, three of how the pain comes on in their physical experience. What comes next in terms of other treatment options or things that they can practice at home? If you are experiencing like a penetration disorder, you really want to work with a team or a community that can kind of help you. And that's why sex therapy is important. That's also why seeing a pelvic floor specialist is so essential as well. They can teach you exercises. You can learn about dilators, how to use dilators, whether it's on your own or during sex. Um, You can seek, you know, medical professional. There's new, and we're not doctors, but there are medical treatments such as Botox in the vulva that's been shown that has some positive results when it comes to painful sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also couples therapy as well. If you're in a relationship and you're experiencing pain during penetration, you should also seek couples therapy as well. They're going to help you guide that conversation. So your partner's on the same page as well. So it doesn't feel like you're the one that needs to be fixed. It's There's two people here and you guys can collaborate and work together. I think that point is really essential because what happens a lot is the person who's experiencing pain during sex is labeled the, the identified patient or in so many words, the problem. And then that can compound a sense of shame or fear around sexuality in general, which then perpetuates the cycle of pain during sex. So when partners can show up collaboratively together and work together in couples therapy, that can take some of that shame and pain and pressure off the person having pain during sex to to feel like they're doing it all on their own. And that can really help to expedite shame reduction and um, a feeling of trust with, with their partner. And again, when we're thinking about pain or disgust as gatekeepers for interaction, building trust, or even if trust is well established, putting that collaborative energy into um, couples therapy or finding a solution together can give signals to the partner who's experiencing pain that their body is actually in safekeeping with their partner. And that can help both people feel more empowered. Absolutely. You know, the feeling like it's something that you're the problem is also contributing psychologically to that shame and contributing to therefore the pain as well. And in couples therapy, it's a great opportunity to like explore safe touch, um, to go over like the wheel of consent. And that can be hard to articulate on your own to your partner and just having someone else there who really knows and can articulate to that to both of you um, makes it feel much more collaborative and safe. We recently had a podcast on the wheel of consent. If anyone is unsure of what that is, feel free to go check out a previous episode with Dr. Betty Martin, who created it. But I think this is really important, Brooke. And, And the wheel of consent in a nutshell asks the question about who is giving and who is receiving pleasure. And it's not always a simple one-to-one answer. And this can be a really important window of consciousness for partners to explore together. Because sometimes when a person believes that they're giving pleasure to their partner, but it's painful, Mm 
It's an interesting reframe to think about why they're participating in this kind of sex play and whether or not there might be other things that they can bring to a more expanded definition of sex that might increase pleasure, which can increase relaxation in the body and and amplify a sense of trust and openness. Absolutely. I think, you know, a, a big contributing factor, which we were talking about, is that fear of loss of control. And so how can you have some control in the in sexual pleasure? Can you play music that you like that's relaxing or have lights or scents or smells, things that will relax you and calm you that you know well, something you have control over um, to help alleviate some of that anxiety as well. Brooke, you've highlighted before um, a connection that you've observed with perfectionism and pain during sex. Can you extrapolate a little bit? Speaking of control. (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of perfectionism is rooted in anxiety. Uh, That fear that you're not going to perform well, the fear that you might not have a genital fit, the fear that it might not be enjoyable for your partner, what to do. And so that all those like feelings of perfectionism, sex has to go as I see it in my mind, penetration has to feel how I expect it to feel in my mind, um, leads to more hypervigilance and avoidance of penetration when the opportunity presents itself. And that's like when we're talking about the pelvic floor can contract, causing things to be more painful. But there is that, that link of that perfectionism in painful sex of this is how it should be and this is how it should feel and avoiding it if that is not the outcome. And specifically the perfectionism is a manifestation of anxiety and a need for control in the body sometimes can feel like bracing or contracting or rigidity, which can then lead to that pain during penetration. Absolutely. When you work with clients who are experiencing painful sex, how do you help them navigate those like thoughts of shame or you know purity culture? And what does that look like for your treatment of individuals? Yeah, once we've ruled out any contributing medical diagnoses or medications that might be um, a part of the pain they're experiencing, a big part of what I do is to help explore a couple of things, which is one, the quality of someone's relationship and the um, level of agency and the balance of power within their relationship if they're partnered. I also look at historically what has been their education around sex and how does that influence their identity, their self-identity and how they experience other people's perception of them. I then look at what are the potential risks and consequences that they might face if they were to have a more expansive or open relationship with sexuality. that doesn't go along with any sex negative messaging they might hear because a lot of folks experience pain because they're literally stuck between a rock and a hard place of choosing to have a relationship with sex that feels more liberating or more um, enjoyable and running the risk of being, being ostracized or alienated from their family of origin or their community 
because if they had a different relationship with sex, then it might not be perceived well in their community. Mm-hmm. And this is where both pain and disgust show up a lot in sexuality, because again, pain and disgust are, are protective mechanisms psychologically that signal something is bad and something might contaminate, in air quotes, our sense of self. And it, and if it does, then it might lead to us not having access to the groups or the resources within which we find safety or home. So it's really a, a bit of a deconstruction around how somebody has internalized sexuality into their holistic sense of self and where there might be a conflict uh, relationally or spiritually or from a a community standpoint so that they can try to find some reconciliation there. And doing that can open a lot of doors to one more pleasurable sex, but also healthier and more balanced relationships. Yeah, absolutely. I think looking at that origin and acknowledging um, that there might be some isolation or some grief to be had and held there um, is an important part of treatment. It really is. I'm glad you mentioned grief because I think that's a big part of why folks stay stuck as long as they do is on some level of consciousness or unconsciousness, there is a knowing that there's grief that will have to be worked through if they do face some reality full on and For anyone listening, that is no easy task to dive into the grief, but more often than not, it is a necessary step in the healing process, and it's a necessary step in leaning into pleasure with more intention. Absolutely. I think the grief is can be very painful. I you know, some women have expressed that feeling that they're less, and I say this in air quotes, less of a woman or their bodies failing them in some capacity and to sit with that grief and acknowledge those feelings and acknowledging that you're not broken, you're a whole human being, even if you're experiencing painful sex or you're not able to have penetration. Absolutely. Well, this is definitely not an all-inclusive conversation because there are so many dimensions of of pain during sex to cover. So for anyone listening, feel free to email us at question at getnakedpodcast.com if there is an aspect of this topic that you'd like us to elaborate on in future episodes. Brooke, thanks so much for speaking with me about this topic today. I feel so grateful that you are on our team and are constantly bringing to the rest of us the information that you're finding and learning about how best to help people who experience painful penetration. And for anyone who would like to work with Brooke or another member of our team, you can always reach us at modernintimacy.com. Yes, thank you for having me. All right, everyone. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Get Naked with Dr. Kate. Stay connected with me on Instagram and TikTok at Dr. Kate Balistrary. Everyone has questions and I want to answer as many as I can. So feel free to email your questions to question at getnakedpodcast.com. If you're looking for a free 30-minute consultation with me or someone on my team, visit modernintimacy.com. And don't forget to join our newsletter, Modern Intimacy, on Substack. Let's meet back here next week. A new episode drops every Tuesday. 
Disclaimer, this podcast is not a substitute for therapy and does not constitute a professional relationship with Dr. Kate Balistrieri or Modern Intimacy. This podcast is strictly for education and entertainment purposes only. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.